What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of Behind the Facade. I am your host, Gavin J. Gallagher, and on this podcast, I explore the mental and emotional game, often playing out subconsciously, both in your mind and the mind of everyone else in the real estate or property investment market. The key to success in this game is to master your mindset and behavior, to take control of your thoughts, your emotions, and most importantly, your ego. Welcome to the show. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of Behind the Facade. And this week's podcast is actually sponsored by my very own Elite Property Accelerator. As you know, if you were listening last week, I have just launched a new beginner's course. It's kicking off on the 1st of June. And if you want to go there and check it out, if you're interested at all, there is currently an early bird offer that um, is, you know, it's it's there until the 1st and it just gives you a couple of extra goodies that you won't get after the 1st of June. So go check it out. You'll see a link in the show notes below. And with that, let's get on with the episode. Now, just this week, so because I'm working on all that, I, um, I'm kind of on the back foot. And so what I've done is I've been thinking about the content for the program. And what I've thought is I might actually just do a bit of a, a review of some of the slides that I have here that I'm going to talk about. And that is all about risk. Now, a lot of people who are interested in property, some of the biggest sort of things that are holding them back are the risks, the risk that you lose a lot of money. But um, there are ways to mitigate your risks. And so I thought I would go and have a look at that this week. And when I'm talking about risk, you know, you've got to weigh up people you know, that are, there's two types of people. I've often talked about this in the past. There are the people on one end of the spectrum who are the gamblers and they see only the big money uh, as the outcome and they pile into deals very, very enthusiastically, see only the upside, don't see any downside at all. And in an up rising market, those guys do very, very well. And that is primarily because they've thrown caution to the wind. They have jumped in with both feet and they don't really pay a huge amount of attention. And just by pure luck, they've done really, really well for themselves. And when I say that, I'm not knocking these guys. I uh, was one of those people back in the day. And so by being sort of um, very, very uh, you know, risk tolerant, you're able to jump into deals much sooner than somebody else who would have maybe analyzed the deal to death. Now, the other end of the spectrum and you've probably heard me talk about this before, but the other end of the spectrum is the analyst type person. So one side is the gambler, the other side is the analyst. And if you're going to be an analyst, then you can be pretty sure you're not going to lose a lot of money over your career. But there's also a strong chance that you won't make any money either because what happens a lot of the time with the analyst type people is that they get what's known as paralysis by analysis. And that is where they are so sort of caught up in analyzing every single potential risk and every single outcome that they're trying to get an answer to that the deal ends up getting snapped up by the gambler type. And even if the deal is not snapped up by a gambler, there will be somebody who's just a little bit more risk tolerant than you and they're the people who get the deal so you're you're very you know you're very very cautious you move forward in a very very methodical way but people who are selling property uh, you know they have an outcome in mind and they are impatient to people who want to kind of kick the tire you know so many times and so they'll just go with the person who is more kind of ready to part with their money 
Which one is right? Which one is wrong? I think somewhere in between. I think there's kind of like a, a happy medium is the is probably the best way to put it. And that is where you're not going to overanalyze a deal, but you're not going to just throw caution to the wind and jump into just any deal. So in terms of risks, what do you need to look for when you are talking about deals? There's a lot of different things you can actually look into. I'm going to look at some of the investment risks and I'm going to talk about some of the development risks. Um, but really what the, the main thing to remember is you've got risk versus reward. Uh, what I try to say to, to, my, um, to my coaching sort of gang when I'm talking to them is that you have to look for asymmetric risk and be on the positive side of it if you can. Now, what does that mean? Very, very big terminology there, but the reality is asymmetric means it's kind of one-sided. And what you want is to go after those deals where there is a great big upside and a very small downside. That would be asymmetric. If it's, you know, kind of balanced, then the chances are you could make as much as you could lose. And that balanced might sound like the thing to be going after, but actually it's not. Balanced means that let's say you're borrowing 100,000 and there's a great chance that you could make 50,000 on this deal, but there's also a chance that you could lose 50,000 on this, this deal. So it's kind of a bi binary outcome. Either you're going to win or you're going to lose, but one way or another, you end up about the same amount, either out of pocket or up in profit. Uh, asymmetric would be much, much more like you borrow 100,000, uh, there's a good chance you'll make 50,000, but the, you're, you've limited your downside to maybe 5,000 or something like that. So the worst that you'll do is you'll lose 5,000, but the best you'll do is you'll make 50,000. So there's a 10 to one, uh, you know, kind of ratio there in terms of the, um, the asymmetric risk profile. That is what you're trying to aim for. So what I've done here is I've, I've put up a number of risk categories, as I call them. And I just thought I'd take you through them to kind of just give you an idea of the types of risks that I look for when I'm assessing a deal. And the idea of assessing a deal for these risks is if you don't assess for these things, then how can you ever mitigate them? And it is mitigation is basically trying to find some way of offsetting that risk, either completely eliminating it or minimizing it in some shape or form. And it's not always easy to do. Sometimes you have to just take the risk and, and you can't mitigate it. But a lot of the time you can mitigate risk in some shape or form. So starting with what I refer to as asset risk, and that is where it's the actual asset itself that is the risk. And so what I'm talking about here is perhaps the age or the condition of the asset. So let's say somebody's out there looking to buy a, a house or a residential property and you're looking at different options on the market and you see the brand new house that has just been completed and it's been handed over, you know, spanking new, everything is new, all the appliances are new, it's got the latest building regulations, so the air, you know, the, uh, the airworthiness is very good, it doesn't have lots of drafts, the, all the equipment is brand new. That is a pretty low risk deal because everything is new. Now you might have a look at, say, a 1950s fixer-upper and you could be thinking to yourself, well, look, it's, it's a lot cheaper than that other house and therefore it's a better deal. But there is risks associated with the age and condition of the asset. And obviously you go in with your eyes open. You can see that the place needs a complete redecoration. You've also got the chance that, you know, you're going to have to upgrade your windows. 
because of air, you know, the um, double glazing, maybe in those older houses, what either was non-existent or it was very poor. You will also have to go and perhaps put in, you know, um, insulature, attic space and all of that kind of stuff. Now, that's not particularly risky, but with older properties, there can be stuff that is not visible immediately. And so whether that's settlement cracking or, you know, there might be very bad uh, electrical uh, circuitry. Uh, so, you know, these older houses, they didn't have the same rules or regulations when it came to the installation of electrical wiring. And so you could find that there's, you know, there's a risk of fire poten- potentially, things like that. Now, there are ways, obviously, you go into a property if you're buying an older property for a good enough price. Well, then you can say that the upgrade of that property will mitigate that risk. And therefore, that is one way to offset the risks. Another way to look at it is that you create over time what I call a sinking fund. And that means that every month you put a certain amount of money aside and that goes towards, you know, doing some sort of project or replacing components as they age. So we will do this in commercial property quite a lot where you'll have an annual sum that gets collected. And let's say the elevators. Uh, At the moment, I'm replacing elevators in one of our buildings. And, you know, it's a costly enough job to put in. Like an elevator in a building is probably in the region of 80,000 euro. And so you don't want to get hit with an 80,000 euro bill just like that. So the better way to do that um, is to put aside maybe 4,000 a year for, you know, 20 years. And at the end of 20 years, you have 80,000 sitting in a bank account earmarked for the replacement of those lifts. And the lifts last, we'll say, 20 years, and therefore it's about the right time frame to do that. That is a sinking fund. Now, you can do kind of a version of that for yourself in your own home, or if you're you know, buying rental property, a lot of the time it's a good idea to put aside a certain amount every month just to have that little fund building up in case something happens and you need to do redecoration or you need to repair or you need to kind of replace tiles in the roof or whatever. Now, one aspect uh, that is starting to kind of creep in these days is climate-related obsolescence. And what I mean by that is the, you know, with new build and new technology and building regulations and all that kind of stuff, it is now becoming quite a, a normal thing for buildings to be, you know, to require sustainability and, you know, solar panels and, you know, very good insulation and, you know, for example, gas-fired central heating systems and oil-fired central heating systems, those are being outlawed over the next coming years. You can't buy them, I believe, now at the moment, but in the next couple of years, the parts that go into repairing them will also be outlawed. And so they're basically forcing people over, say, the next 15 years to have to replace those systems. And so there is most definitely some um, sustainability or climate-related obsolescence that will start creeping into older assets. So that is your asset risk. Now, the next type of risk that I'll often look at is tenant risk. And this is obviously if you are a property investor and you're renting out to tenants, then you need to be thinking about the financial strength of your tenant. And the way to assess this is obviously to do a bit of due diligence and a background check and stuff. If you're working with a real estate uh, agent or a property agent, they will often go out and they'll do this. They'll vet your tenants. They'll check their references. They'll go back and have a look at bank statements and stuff just to make sure that this tenant has the financial capability to pay you your monthly rent. 
uh, and also that they don't have you know a bad record for leaving people in the lurch and not paying their previous landlords stuff like that a little tip for you guys if you are contacting the previous landlord don't pre don't con- don't contact the immediate landlord the one that they're currently with and moving out of um contact the one prior to that and the reason for this is if these tenants do happen to be problem tenants you might find that the landlord they're currently with is desperate to get rid of them and the only way they can get rid of them is to you know help them find another landlord who's going to let them in and so you may not get the most truthful uh, reference from somebody who's in that kind of a situation whereas if they've long gone and they've left these other landlords they might be a lot, a lot more I suppose truthful and just sort of say oh geez look steer well clear of those guys uh, they're a nightmare you won't you won't necessarily get that from somebody who's currently trying to get rid of them so that's something to consider another reason that tenant risk is very important is because the it, it, it does impact your valuation now this would be more of an issue with a commercial property when we're looking at commercial property we'll often look at what's known as a covenant strength and covenant strength is basically the quality of the tenant so i'll give you an example if i am speaking with um say i'm looking at a building and i'm speaking to two different tenants and they're both offering the identical rent to me let's say it's 50,000 a year or whatever it is and I say okay who, who are you uh, tenant number one and it's Joe Bloggs owns a shoe shop and he's going to pay me 50,000 a year okay that's option one option two who are you um, we're the uh, Apple corporation we're the people who make iPhone and we'll pay you the 50,000 now which one would you prefer from a financial standpoint you don't stand to make any additional money from having Apple versus Joe Bloggs the shoe shop but you can imagine what it means to the strength of the perception of the strength of that asset and so if you were to put that property up for sale the difference of having say Apple as a tenant versus having uh, you know kind of just a, a business person who could potentially go bankrupt at some stage in the future or something like Apple is not going to go bankrupt they make what is it a billion a, qu- a billion a quarter 50 billion a quarter whatever it is like huge huge sums of money so they're not under any financial duress and those are people with a very strong covenant compared to the other person who would be deemed to have a weak covenant even though exactly the same rent will be passing to your hand so that is just something to kind of bear in mind that's called your covenant strength and that is part and parcel of an analyzing a uh, the risks of a tenant now, this might seem like a very, very similar risk, but leasing risk is slightly different. Tenant risk is the, is the risk of the tenant themselves being problematic. But leasing risk is if you buy a property that could stand vacant for a long time in the event that your tenant leaves, or if you buy a vacant property and you think that you're going to fill it with a tenant at some point in the near future, you might think, you might think to yourself, um, oh you know I'll buy this property and I'll have it rented in a couple of months time are you sure about that like you want to go and do your homework because uh, as I think I've sp- probably spoken about in the past on this podcast I have bought properties and they have sat vacant for years tried everything every trick in the book to try to get tenants to rent it and it just was not an area that did well and it was a major major headache 
Um, another thing to bear in mind, there are there are capital allowances that are offered in certain areas to kind of gentrify those areas. And that can obviously enhance the ability to rent a place. I can remember back years and years ago, um, this, you know, the Temple Bar area was an area that was kind of up and coming at the time in Dublin. And there was all these incentives in order to get people to invest in the area because it was seen as kind of a, a bit of a rough and ready place. And so what they did is they offered these capital allowances. So if you were to buy one of those properties, you found that you could get all sorts of tax abatements and stuff. But in addition to that, the people who were renting it from you, they could they got all sorts of benefits as well. And so that would make it, the leasing risk a little bit less, we should say. There's also a, you know, a, bit, a bit of a risk of a property being what's known as over-rented. And that is where, let's say you were to um, have gotten your tenant to move in during a very, very sort of um, robust financial period when everything was going really, really well. And the person, you know, decided that they'd sign a lease and the lease was really, really high rent. And then subsequently the market falls back a bit. And now your property is actually, it's the rent that they're paying, even though they're able to pay it and they continue to pay it. If they were to leave, you would find that the market value drops on that property very quickly because the rent is not realistic any longer in the scheme of things. So that is known as being over-rented. And you just, you just got to think about these. Sometimes you might think, oh, that's a great deal. You know, look at, the, look at this huge rent we're getting. But the moment that tenant leaves, you're going to be looking at a substantial drop in the rent that you can get from that very same location. So you just need to be cognizant of these things. Next risk to consider is financial risk. And obviously everyone now at the moment is highly conscious of this. Beware of interest rate hikes. And we've all seen this creeping up in the last while. I've just had the uh, the property that I own in Spain, my, my lovely villa down in Spain, the mortgage just reset uh, a couple of days ago and I got my new rate and it has risen by 500 a month. So it is, you know, that's a painful amount of additional rent, uh, additional interest that I have to pay every single month. Now the tenant, I'm going to obviously have a chat with the tenant and see, will he increase his rent to me so I can offset some of that? But there's a good chance the guy's going to turn around and tell me to, to get lost, you know? So I might have to stomach this myself. That is my own problem but there's a lot of people out there facing the exact same thing can you weather an increase in interest rates that is a financial risk now there are ways to do it obviously you can go and you can fix your loan term over a long period of time and that removes the risk of fluctuating rates but it's it's it is a difficult decision to make at the time because fixing your rate is always more expensive than just going with the floating rate and the floating rate means like the, the variable rate. So you might be out there, you might be paying with say 3% variable and you might be thinking, okay, I'd like to fix. When you go to fix your rate, you might have, you might be offered a 5% by the bank and you'd be thinking, why would I, geez, you know, why would I pay 5% fixed when I'm getting this great 3%? The problem is a year from now, that 3% could have risen to five and a half percent. And therefore, you would have been better off going with fixing for, for the 5%. But you've got to bite the bullet at some point. And that can be a very, very difficult dilemma to face because you don't know, are you fixing at the right time? If the market falls back, you'll be locked in at this higher rate as well, which is another issue. Another thing to consider with financial risk is what I call contagion. And that is where 
some people will often, you know, they, they want to buy an additional property and they've got some equity built up in their existing property and they might sort of go to the bank and say, I'd like to borrow some money for this additional property that I'm looking at. And they say, oh yeah, no problem. We'll just take a charge over on your original property. Now you have what's known as cross security on your properties. And if you have cross security, that means that should one run into difficulty, there's a good chance both will be in the um, in the crosshairs of the bank. And so you've got to be very careful. One way to overcome all of that is there's a different types of loans. One is called non-recourse and one is called full recourse. And non-recourse is obviously the one that you want to try to get. That means that the bank cannot go after you. It means that in the event that the property runs into trouble or something like that, the bank will go after you know the property. They'll sell the property off and they'll keep their loan or whatever, but they cannot come after you for additional money in the event that money was lost on that transaction. Now, if it's a full recourse loan, it means that they sell the property, uh, maybe they only recover 50% of their loan, and then they say, right, uh, you now have to go and pay the other 50%. And so you'll have to sell off some piece of property in order to achieve those additional funds to give them. That's the difference between recourse and non-recourse. Economic risk. And I mean, there's lots and lots of different risks. I go through all of these risks um, on my, my coaching programs. So I'm not going to sort of go and dwell on every single type of risk here on this podcast. It would take too long. But I will finish up with the economic risk. And economic risk is obviously you could be buying into an overheating market. Uh, in which case you'll overpay for the property. A lot of people have done that. If you're in the UK and you're listening and you bought during the pandemic, uh, there's a good chance that you're looking at a loss now. And that is one of the unfortunate things that's happened with the, the market. It got very overheated and everyone was buying and also interest rates were very, very low at the time. Fast forward one and a half years and suddenly those interest rates have driven down demand for the prices. Uh, prices have you know pushed back and now you're looking at, you know, losses. Market correction, those take place on a regular enough basis every now and then. Well, not regular, I suppose. It's about 10 years since the last market correction or even longer. Um, when it happens, you can find yourself in a whole world of pain. So you've got to be very, very careful. A lot of people get themselves into trouble because they rely too much on debt. It's, you know, it's nice to be kind of conservatively borrowed. When it, when you, it's always good to borrow money. Don't get me wrong. Leverage is a very, very good way of enhancing the return on your investments. But there are what we call debt junkies. I was a debt junkie in the past. And if you're a debt junkie, it means that you get kind of addicted to the enhanced returns. So it's not good enough to, you know, to borrow, to put 50% down and borrow the other 50%. You want to put down 5% and borrow 95%. And, um, you know, on an, an arising market, you'll do very, very well. But when the, when, the, when the tide turns and the market corrects, you end up looking at an absolute massive, massive loss. And the, the banks start coming after you for your other assets and stuff like that. So be wary. Over, obviously, if you overpay for an asset, there's not a lot you can do. Um, you'll often find that, you know, just you're going to have to either sell the property and take a loss or you're going to have to kind of carry the, the this cost for years and you, you may be in negative equity for a long time. I know people that have bought properties and been in negative equity for, you know, five or 10 years. And it, it does put a huge amount of pressure on you because you can't do anything with that property. If you sell it, 
you'll just be taking a complete loss. And so just by hanging on to it, you're paying the mortgage, you're paying the expenses, all that. You're just hoping that at some point it will creep up above and you'll get some equity back into the game. Another economic risk is obviously um, uh, the taxation on the market. In the event that taxation, you know, if the government was, let's say, for example, there's a change of government and a new party comes in and they have a very different policy towards landlords and, and tenants and things like that, you could find that they decide that we're going to go and, you know, push up interest rates, not interest rates, we're going to push up taxes on property owners and uh, really punish them for being investors. That is something that, you know, it get, it's in the headlines at the moment these days. A lot of people worried about the potential for that. Um, no matter what party you're, you're in, it would affect the market. And um, so you've got to be careful about that. And that is a big economic risk that people are facing at the moment. And so, guys, I, uh, I don't know whether I'm going to go on. I'll do one more. And that is if you're going to get into um, the area of construction, we'll say, if you're going to go and renovate a property, a lot of people will look at buying a, a fixer upper, but it might be something that requires a bit of construction. And if you're going to get into that and say you're deciding to extend a house out the rear and what you want to do is open up the rear and extend and, you know, take down some big heavy walls and make it a much brighter kind of airy space. That's a lovely idea, but there are, comes with that some construction risks. The risk could be that you go in there and the builder doesn't know what they're doing and they go and screw up and next minute you've got a structural defect in your house or you can adjust simply the, the construction project can itself be risky insofar as costs can overrun the program can overrun like the last couple of years there's been nothing but complaint 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 about construction costs rising very very rapidly and in addition to that labor has been uh, in short supply and because of that programs uh, programs you know the timing of the project and stuff those have all overrun and if you're borrowing money from a bank um then obviously these these program overruns mean that you're paying interest for a longer period of time than you planned and also it means that your property is not rented or you're not getting the sales in that you thought you were going to get at an earlier stage and so it all mounts up and you end up paying quite dearly for this you also have to think about the adjoining property and the adjoining property is you know if you let's say you're doing a big uh, you know bit of work on the on your property and you go and remove a wall in your house uh, it's all fine and well damaging your own house but if you can imagine if doing something results in settlement crack in the neighbor's house or there's some sort of damage done that can be very very costly and you need to be in well you definitely need insurance to cover those kind of risks but it is something to consider so guys i'm not, i'm gonna hang up there like there's there's lots and lots more risk i could talk about but i i don't want to make this a long podcast i'm going to close out there just for those of you listening in um be aware that the early bird offer on my foundations novice investor coaching it starts on Thursday and there's currently a deal going for people who sign up before then. Afterwards, um, it'll well, it'll still be open to join, but this, this little sweetener that I'm offering up to the 1st of June 
is uh, won't be there any longer. So, guys, I'm looking forward to seeing you. We all already have quite a few members joined already, so I'm looking forward to meet all of those guys. But if you are listening and it sounds like something for you, do go and check it out, and I'll put a link in the show notes below. But if you are listening and you're not able to check the notes, it's elitepropertyaccelerator.com forward slash foundations. Talk to you soon, guys. Take care. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Behind the Facade. If you have any questions or topics you'd like me to cover in future episodes, please connect with me via the Facebook group that is called Behind the Facade Community. Alternatively, you will find me on social media. My handle is Gavin J. Gallagher. You can stay up to date with all of my content and the various projects I'm working on over on my website, GavinJGallagher.com. And while you're there, please do add your name to the join my tribe thing over on the right hand side this will ensure you're kept up to date via my weekly newsletter all of these links are in the show notes below that's all for now i will see you guys in the next episode